Hey there, chocolate lovers. If you'd like to watch the video version of this podcast, you can find it on our Craft Chocolate TV YouTube channel. Welcome to Craft Chocolate TV, everyone. My name is Dylan, and I am with Julia Zotter. Hi. We are in Zotter's Chocolate Factory. And so I'm going to ask you a hard question. Ready? <sighs> Born ready. In one sentence, what do you guys do? Oh my god! <laughs> you are unfair. You can take two. You can take okay. two or three. So it's fair to say that we're making chocolate. Um, we are a fully organic and fat-free chocolate company with more than six hundred different flavors. I don't know how to sum it up now. Yes. Oh my god! See, I think when the first time I was here, you guys had somewhere around four hundred and fifty. Yeah. It's and your mom was like, to... "No more." <laughs> Done. We will you know, not hit 500. We always believe, you know, uh, not making more is, is the solution. But in the end, you find so many new flavors and getting rid of the old ones is impossible. And the graveyard doesn't grow. Mm. So maybe real quick, what is the chocolate graveyard? Just so that everyone understands what I just said. All right. So uh, we believe that um, there is no such thing as failure in chocolate. A cemetery of ideas it's just a constant reminder that uh, life goes on, uh-huh. and you can visit your past, uh, past ideas and revisit them. And so let me yeah. try and summarize this for, for everyone. You guys primarily do what you call hand-scooped chocolates, yes, which are chocolate and then different layers of, let's call them inclusions. Um, fillings. Layers of fillings that you guys make whether it's um, berries or nougat or nuts of jelly, some sort, ganaches. jellies. And then you seal it in chocolate after that and then put them in packages. Yes. Are these the main things that you guys also have in your, in your graveyard? Are Unfortunately, you... yes. Okay. Well, that's not surprising <laughs> I think since the... you do have over 600 now. Yes, and, and with the filling, with the layers, uh, we just open up a lot of possibilities to include a lot of different flavors. Mm-hmm. And some of these flavors are just not well understood, like the cigar chocolate bar. Just Which really... incorporates tobacco? It, we tried, but it turned out to be too poisonous, so we okay. uh, <laughs> couldn't do <laughs> so that to died. our visitors. Uh, there's another one at Lobster. And the lobster uh-huh. actually turned out pretty good. Uh, we combined it with uh, strawberry chocolate. But then we would have to kill so many lobsters to just get that essence, and then we kind of felt bad for the thing. So yeah, you got to draw a line somewhere. That... Because mostly what you do is very ethical. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so slaughtering lobsters is not exactly fitting the company. Uh, not that motto much. And... No, um, actually, well, we are not a vegan company, so we do use animal products. We even have chocolates that incorporate blood, that incorporate bacon. Bugs. However, um, yes, bugs. Uh, it's important to be respectful to the source, um, be it the cows that give the milk or uh, the pigs that uh, are the source of the bacon. And if we can't use them efficiently and respectfully, then we won't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's no chocolate that just uses milk for the heck of it. I often think of your family's company as um, a pilgrimage that craft chocolate makers should make to try and understand <laughs> how they can um, educate the people that come to them as well as have a successful model, but also incorporate the crazy Willy Wonka vibe that people do want to see in chocolate. 
and you guys have so many facets of your business, you. and you're executing them really well while still being super fun and playful. So, for example, what we haven't talked about at all is you guys have your factory sitting on top of an edible zoo. And so when you're talking about a lot of these different animals, you actually have them down below when you look out your factory window. Yeah, you can go there and pet them. Can you tell us in you know a minute or two about your <laughs> edible zoo? Uh, the edible zoo already has it in the world, so it's, uh, it's an animal park. It's an organic farm that you can visit. You press the uh, buttons and you learn about why pigs yes. wallow and... Exactly. So we try to make it as educational as possible. However, this is all about old farm breeds. And it's called the edible zoo because everything, and I'm talking from the grass to the trees, to the fruits, to the vegetables, and to the animals, everything is eaten at some point. Right. And we don't do in this... In your own restaurant. In our own restaurant. And you can also buy cold cuts and stuff like that. Um, we want to create awareness and respect for the source of our food. It's really difficult in Austria to bring that same awareness to people concerning cocoa because it's so far away and most of our customers have never seen cocoa or met cocoa farmers ever before. Right. But the better example to show why it's so important to think about the source of your food and where it all comes from and to derive joy in seeing that circle in the background is meat. Animals are cute. Uh, we don't want to eat cute animals. Um, <laughs> and we should stop eating too many animals. So the, one of the missions of the Edible Zoo is to actually make people leave half vegan or entirely vegan if they choose so. Um, and to just give them a little bit more of um, motivation to think about where their food comes from. Yes, I remember your dad first telling me when I came here the first time, like, you need to look at the animal in the eye. You need to be okay knowing where it came from, how it was raised, and maybe be okay with killing it if you're going to eat it. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that was wonderful, and I'm mostly a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> that was also so I, I like the ethics involved in that one. Yeah, um, and for us it's no difference to how we work with uh, our other suppliers. Sugar, milk, cocoa, of course, uh, all of our nuts. Right, you guys do a, an excellent job of sourcing and making sure that wherever you're getting it from also meets the standards that the, that the product that you're, you're giving to all your customers. And so when it comes to your customers, you have a unique model where most people come to you. At yeah. least it appears that way. And we feed them a lot of chocolate. You get them chocolate wasted when they come here. <laughs> yeah. And, and so maybe I'll summarize here. The tour that you guys offer starts in a um, cinema. Mm -hmm. You sit down and watch a really well put together movie on where the cocoa comes from, which most people in Austria have no idea. Yeah. But you guys do a good job in a few minutes explaining that, as well as your family's story, before the tour even begins. And at that point, the tour is about an hour and yes, a little bit. Yes, more or less. Where you just taste and taste and taste, and it's an <laughs> overwhelming amount of information there, but you're constantly tasting what you're learning. So uh, I know that this has evolved. Like, what is um, the evolution since you guys started so small? How did you end up eventually realizing that that was the model to go for? Because um, before, no one even came here. You guys were in your own family barn doing <laughs> your own thing. So the, um, the chocolate theater, we call it, um, started from uh, the idea of inviting people into our chocolate factory. 
Chocolate factories are amazing places full of wonders. But when we started, chocolate factories also had that secrecy yeah. around them, secret recipes, secret processes. But honestly, from a professional standpoint, I can look at any chocolate bar and know how it was done. So there's no real secret behind it. There's just the fascination that we want to show to our customers. Um, and the other part is we have so many different flavors and we cannot trust our customers to know what they want. For example, a pork crackling bar would never sell. People are afraid of it. Uh -huh. You put it in a tiny little tasting so people are not afraid of that tiny little piece. They try it and it might be their new favorite chocolate. So it's all about making people feel more adventurous, trying different things out of their comfort zones and making it playful. And that way people make new experiences, new memories. Right. And everywhere you go, you can see that in the manner in which you taste, the way that the chocolate goes on little um, conveyors around yeah. where you can grab them or create your own chocolate bar from hitting buttons on a screen. <laughs> so yeah. you guys have really made some wonderful progress on executing crazy ideas. And what I love most is when actually people try something and then get something unexpected out of it. Uh, we have a glass factory, so uh, our staff is only separated from our customers by glass walls. And just everyone loves seeing people, you know, tasting something and then you see their eyes like go in all different kinds of directions because uh -huh. they're thinking and remembering. And then a smile on their face just going like, hey, I actually like this. Right. And that's just the best part of it. <laughs> it's impossible to actually explain what to expect until someone actually gets here. And that's good. That's good. It is good. Uh, I don't want to fulfill any expectations um, because that means we're boring. Um, if People I fulfill who come here should be just ready to be surprised no matter hopefully, what. Hopefully, yes. So here at Zotter, you guys process significantly more than most craft chocolate 350 makers. 350 tons of cocoa per year. 350 tons of cocoa, which relative to craft chocolate sounds like a lot. But in reality, you have someone like Calibo or Guitard or Cargill I am much and bigger. like insanely large. Whereas you guys, I still would consider craft just using more industrial machines, which in my opinion is the way that every craft chocolate maker should head in that direction. Um, how many base chocolates do you guys use? What, what's that look like? All right, so um, how many origins? Ever Where since are they we began Bean to Bar in 2006, um, we still don't fill our machines to capacity anyway. But we do produce about 100 different kinds of base chocolates just in our bean to bar equipment. So hmm. that's a lot of different products that go via the same machines. So we need, uh, our strength is actually not quantity. None of our, our machines, yes, originally were designed to make quantity, to make huge quantities right, of chocolate. Right, like a lot of one thing. But you guys have figured yeah, out the how way to use we them in a different way. Use them is, uh, or the, the reason why we chose them is we can change products really fast, uh, and that makes our machines really versatile. If we were to produce only one kind of chocolate on our line, we would be very, very inefficient because we have so many bottlenecks in there. But where we do become very, very efficient is when it comes to changing product, doing a dark chocolate, doing a lot of different dark chocolates, cleaning in between so we don't get too much mix, pralines, white chocolates, fruit chocolates, milk chocolates, 100 different things. Yeah, it's funny because so, I've been in a bunch of little factories and everyone's got different styles where some people hold it in tanks, some people hold it in blocks, some people just put it in bars. You guys are doing 
every single one of those things. Yeah, depending on what we depending need. Depending on what you're making and what you need. And there that are... probably comes with the demand or specializing in the quantity of products. Sure. Like there are chocolates. If you guys we are doing chocolate covered cereal. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just. There's so many different things where chocolates go into. And our strength in having that many different base chocolates also means that we can make hundreds of different products with different flavors. And it's just difficult to stop from there. So next year, we'll probably have 700 or 800. At some point, we run out of warehouse. And that's kind of a similar problem I'm seeing, seeing everyone have is running out of warehouse space. Yeah. It doesn't seem to matter how big somebody gets. Warehouse space is, is an issue. Always. Um, but if you don't mind me asking, what do your, as far as revenues go or sales go, what's the, the split? Like, is it? mostly retail and online? Mm -hmm. Is it wholesale and retail? What's as that look a like? chocolate or as a food company, uh, I would say, uh, we are rather special in that ratio. 47% uh, of everything that we make uh, is uh, created in-house. So we don't need any wholesalers for that. We don't need any exporters for that. 47% uh, of everything we make is chocolate theater entrance fees, people buying chocolate in our shop, people buying online uh, in our store, com uh, corporate presents, uh, Christmas presents, everything so that nearly we don't 50 need another would count as like, person in the middle. Yes. Amazing. So, um, and that also is what allows us to have such a huge variety right. because we have chocolates that we sell a lot of. And then we have chocolates that are really niche and we would never be able to have these many chocolates if we could not convince people to even try a chocolate that has bacon in it. Yeah. Um, no, no wholesaler, no, no uh, not, supermarket would ever touch that. Yeah. So the reason why we have so many chocolates is because we can sell them directly. Yep. And uh, It's a similar some, model that Manoa has grown too. Yeah. It's, and uh, I think what's also important also to consider um, if you're creating a chocolate line, we have uh, chocolates that are more efficient to produce that are cheaper when we make a lot. We have chocolates where we, if we sell them, um, we don't make any money. If, yeah. So it's all it's about like the mix. Yes, and you want to keep that mix alive, but then you need to make sure you make the margins. So um, the fact that we sell directly helps us finance our own chocolate range. Right, I totally get that. Well, uh, looking ahead, you guys are always growing. What does the future look like for Zotter? The next few years, the next <laughs> five to ten years? I don't know. Like so far, we have never had you guys a have long crazy term ideas plan. that you constantly do work towards. Yeah, but um, we have a lot of, you've seen that, we have a lot of uh, talent in house, yeah. um, graphics design department, we have metal workers, a lot of motivated people to help. So yeah, we some don't very do. Very skilled labor. Yes, so we don't do long term planning. An idea pops up, we can we can just put it into action because we have all the resources at hand, create a new packaging, have the new packaging in the house next month, uh, create a new tasting machine, develop right. a prototype. So those things are really fast and because they are, we don't usually think ahead too much. Yes, um, we would love more warehouse space and more production space um, and it would make things so much easier. Um, and hopefully maybe in three years down the line we can build that new space. Uh, but who knows? Um, we're trying to uh, 
live life in a way that we'll just do whatever comes. And whatever is exciting. And whatever is exciting. Well, the biggest takeaway that um, I'm leaving with after visiting here for the third time. Is a big chocolate belly? I'm pretty full. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely full. But is the level of experience that um, you guys consistently expand upon. So thank you. Thank you for being a paragon of the chocolate industry. <laughs> and I look forward to seeing what you guys do next. Oh, I'm looking forward to see what everyone does next. It's such a yeah. such a great industry. Love it. Yeah. So next time uh, we do this in Hawaii. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, until next time. Until next time. Cheers. Bye. Hi, guys. If you enjoyed the podcast, we'd appreciate if you subscribe and give a review. This helps other chocolate lovers like yourself discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great day.